0: And welcome to episode 163 of Geek Time Radio. This week I have with me Daryl.
2: How are you doing, Daryl? I'm doing great, and looking forward to talking to some TV.
0: Good, good. So, what have you been up to? We've been you've been off for about four or five weeks, I think, since you were last on.
2: Uh, yeah, um, I've been doing. I did a press event, which is Heroes and Villains Fan Fest in London. Yes, very cool. Um, so that was, uh, that was great fun. It's over at the Olymp- at the Olympia in Kensington. Yes. Um, a bit tricky to get to, but once it's once <laughs> yes. there, it's fine. It's very true. Yeah, and that was that was a great event amazing amount of um stars about the heroes and villains fan fest brand is pretty huge in the us and i think that's this was their second time in the uk yeah um and it's pretty much known for the event that um stephen amell of arrow you pretty much always turns up at these yeah so and he did turn up at this one so i did watch the interview with him which was uh, moderated by his friend h taylor um, right. From Criminal Minds and um, Archer, yeah, yeah. those two were hilarious together. <laughs> I think um, other highlights were they had a an Arrow villains panel, oh, cool. which had Kirk Acevedo, who played this season's big bad, right, and yeah. it also had Katie Cassidy. Yes, talk about her as Siren. Yes, it had um, Prometheus. Oh yeah, awesome. And yeah, that was amazing. They had the, they had a huge group from the cast of Gotham. Which included the guy who plays uh, Bruce, Alfred, Edward Nygma, um, Cumberbott, and the detective who was killed um, a while ago, so I I don't remember his name, but yeah, (laughs) so... They were there, um, the energy was amazing, the fans were just, it's very different. It's very different to see that sort of event, as opposed to going to see MCM Comic Con. Yeah. Which is a little bit more about everything, whereas obviously this is just about people coming to see TV stars.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one, that, because they always, um, MCM always put their shows up against other comic cons so it tends to be a case of picking either mcm or something like heroes and villains or one of the other big comic con shows which is kind of annoying but yeah. um for the press side of things just because you know if there's not that many of you tried to cover both uh, and i d- i do like the look of the heroes and villains because some of the guests they get are, are quite phenomenal
2: yeah I mean oh yes and obviously things like Emily Betricards was there yeah we had um, Daniel Pallabaker was there cool we had a near full panel of the legends so oh, wow. um, we had Jack's comeback obviously had Captain Lance was there yes um, we had Brandon Ralph yep yeah, so just yeah. really
0: it, great it's a great selection of people they always manage to get for heroes and villains it's really good
2: and if anyone's interested they can head over to Hollywood News Source on YouTube just type that in and you can see our coverage from the event,
0: yes, lots of very cool videos from that event over on there, so worth going to check out. So, what, what else have you been doing?
2: I was going back and forth, and I finally decided to read "To All the Boys I Loved Before" by Jenny Han, which is a YA novel, right? Um, for a few reasons, uh, one, it's being adapted for film, and that's set for release next month on Netflix. Ah, yes, okay. I think it's starring. Uh, is it Lana Condor, who was in the X Men film, I believe? She oh, okay. Up. Um, also, a bit because in the past few months there's been a lot of discussions about roles for Asians. There's been a lot of talk that, uh, ever since the old controversy of like the Hawaii Five-O casting changes. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I've always seen this book mentioned. I had to give a short synopsis without getting too much. It follows a biracial girl with Korean descent who has two sisters, lives with her father, and mother's mother's passed away. And through classic YA romantic hygiene, (laughs) Um, Whenever she has a crush, she writes that boy letter in order to deal with those feelings. But through that YA hijinks, those letters end up getting posted to those boys. So I think there are about five of them. Right. Uh, And sort of things just happen from there.
0: Right. Okay. Interesting.
2: And and it sounds like incredibly cheesy, but it's it's incredibly well written. The characters are just so well-rounded, well-described. It's definitely something I would recommend. And this is from someone who usually sits down and reads like 900 page high fantasy novels (laughs) all day. But yeah, it's definitely, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the film, which will be on Netflix when it comes out.
0: Yeah, August 17th, the uh, Ah. movie comes out on Netflix. If you want to go and find that.
2: TV wise, I've found myself drawn to a show called Private Eyes. Yes. Catch on the Universal channel. Yeah. It's one of the few shows that when I go over to my parents and watch, I can get through. Right. Because I'm not really a fan of Say Yes to That Dress, which my mother and sister are watching four hour blocks of. <laughs> but um, Private Eyes sees a former hockey star join up with a private detective. Yes. And become her partner and it stars one Jason Priestley. Yes. Which probably half of you people won't know who that is, <laughs> but for the old generation, well obviously as a, Jason Priestley was once a incredibly high profile star of Beverly Hills 90210. Yes, I remember him very well. And it's just your classic sort of body cup procedural. Yeah. But I think the most interesting thing is that it's set in Canada and it's unashamedly Canadian. Yes. And so there's a lot of the shows can be set in generic land and never make reference to where they are. Yeah. But there's lots of location shots you know where they are, and you can see it kind of. It's just interesting. I do have a love of Canadian shows because yeah. I think they're extra gems that people don't see enough of.
0: Yeah, it's it's very true. I mean, even if they're shot up in Canada, quite often it's Canada masquerading for something else. Yes, yes. Um, yes. There's another Canadian show called Carter, which is running on Alibi, uh, which is Jerry O'Connell. And I mean, it's a similar kind oh, of. Is
2: the, oh, is that the one about. Actor has a
0: meltdown, yeah. plays a, tech, a detective on TV, ends up moving back. Back to his hometown, which is in Canada. And again, that plays it properly as as like small town Canada. Doesn't everyone assume he's actually a cop?
1: Or and they, like that? They,
0: they don't so much assume he's a cop, but they assume that he's more skilled than he obviously actually is oh. because he played a cop on TV. But he his he's childhood friend is a police officer. So he ends up kind of helping her out on a couple of cases and then gets made an honorary detective by the mayor who thinks <laughs> it'll be good for the town so uh ends it's up kind perfect of perfect sense to me yeah absolutely i mean it's, it's sort of a tv kind of hijink sort of stuff yeah. but it's it's the similar sort of buddy cop kind of thing but again that's a show which is I mean it's made in Canada obviously I know whether it's funded by Canada or funded by American company but uh it very much plays Canada for Canada as well so it's nice <laughs> to see them actually using Canada for Canada for a change on some of these yes, shows
2: definitely but Other than that I've been continuing to watch Marvel's Cloak and Dagger yes. which is Marvel's latest thing catch it on Amazon Prime it's more of a young adult themed yes, and it follows a teenage pair of straight enough cloak and dagger yes. um, starring is a young black man from a middle class family yeah. um, whose brother was wrongfully killed by the police has been covered up. Yes. And a young uh, white girl whose father died in a horrible accident and has been made a scapegoat of a large company's conspiracy. Yeah. As far as I see, I'd watch a few of the after shows. Um, it, the show seems to bear pretty close to the comics, but obviously there's some differences. Mm. And also, the show is set in New Orleans and yeah. shows a lot of the locale and speaks to a lot of the New Orleans experience after Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting touch. Yeah. I think the only thing I would say is that it's a little bit slow. Yeah. It uh, really, I mean, it feels like in a way that, say, something like The Runaways, which in essence was a prologue, didn't feel slow because it was going somewhere at the end of the first season of runaways it's pretty much at the beginning of the comic yeah but yeah it's for me it's just incredibly slow and i write a recap for it and Oh my God, you can't understand how difficult it is, right? <laughs> for, for a show that spends that much time in its own head.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, and it, it, it literally does, uh,
2: just, and it flicks between scenes so much it drives me nuts.
0: I am enjoying it, but it is it is very slow. Um, yeah. It spends a lot of time pondering its own existence in places as well. <laughs> they spend an awful lot of time kind of trudging back over various things. Their powers are coming out very slowly. And you just I, and yeah, like you say, at least we. Runaways there was a sort of final goal I mean I found that a little slow in places but there was a final goal they were heading towards something whereas with this there doesn't seem to be a clear final goal you've got like um, uh, Tandy kind of trying to find something out about her father's death Tyrone just doesn't seem to be doing one Anything. thing or
2: another. Yeah. So it. Yes, think the handy thing with Runaways is that you had, you had lots of little, little girls. So at first, you had, you were waiting for them to get together as friends. Yeah. And then you were seeing the growth of their friendships and, you know, in some cases turning into romances. Then you were seeing the uncovering of the parents and it had more and more things. Going through. But here we have, we waited for them to get their powers. They have their powers, but they have. Have pretty much no control over their powers yeah obviously we know everything in terms of we know that Tandy's father's innocent we know yeah. that our face was wrongfully killed Yeah. but we don't really know much more about that we have absolutely no idea why they have powers yeah I think in this day and age you've you got to be a little bit quicker off the mark
0: yeah yeah I would agree with you there it's enjoyable but I, you know it does seem a bit meandering at the moment and I would like them to focus it a bit more but yes the, the other thing you've got on here is uh, CEO 2018. This is a would... g- gaming thing, isn't
2: it? Yeah, CEO is uh, it's called Community Effort Orlando, even though this year I think it was in Daytona. And it's a huge fighting game community event. right? With lots of different fighter games. So if you play Dragon Ball, if you play any of the Smash Brothers games, if you play Street Fighter 5, which is our main game I watch. You could have tuned in for three days of competitions. Oh, cool. uh, I'm watching it on Twitch or on um youtube i think the Thing about ceo is that they really put a lot of effort into the packaging for right. instance you probably get like between 100 and 300 people signing up for it so anyone can sign up Right. Um, and go do their thing, and they'll go against people who you know pro players, um, sponsor players. And as it gets towards the end, so for the top 32, it's set in the stadium in a wrestling ring. <laughs> cool. and he, And he come out to theme songs, and they ha- and they always have little hijinks. I think in the, at the beginning of this one, they had the organizer Jabali. He got called out by a Japanese wrestler, so they had a fight in the ring, which which obviously he won.
1: Yeah. So
2: it's just those sorts of really crazy things, just fun interesting watch and That's awesome. even if you only play Williams a little bit and have maybe a certain uh, passing interest in playing fighting games I'd recommend trying to watch one of these things because we have they have commentators who come in and try to explain things mm. for people who might not understand it but yeah it was just it was just lots of fun it's just not a lot of fun with the time zone difference because I think the finals right. for the Street Fighter 5 was on at 3am this morning. Oof right well,
0: yeah that's always a bit of a problem but uh but yeah that sounds cool that sounds very cool but uh yeah it's worth going to check out on twitch my stuff this week, I've got very, very into a show called The Staircase because I, I watched Evil Genius last week, which is only like four one-hour episodes. So that was fairly quick to get through. So I was... What's I, up?
2: I, is that a weird Netflix-y document, document yes, documentary?
0: Yes. Uh, they're both... I've r- seen
2: loads of ads for it all, over YouTube and stuff.
0: Yeah. So uh, they're both documentary series. They're both uh-huh. true crime documentary oh, yes. series. Evil Genius was about this very strange case in the US where a guy was sent into a bank and robbed bank he gets caught by the police as he's leaving and it turns out that he's got this bomb collar on and he's basically saying I'm going to be killed they're going to set this bomb off if you don't let me go and get the rest of the notes that they've left for me of where to find the keys because they'd set out this little kind of maze puzzle thing for him. Uh, and it's about the people behind that whole incident so that that was Evil Genius and that was fantastic very little bias in it one way or another it just presented facts that was really quite interesting I was looking for something else that was a true tr- crime thing because I really enjoyed that and The Staircase was the other thing which seems to be trending at the moment and it sort of popped up so The Staircase is is rather more biased because it follows it from the point of view of the defendant yeah. uh, it's about an author called Michael Peterson uh, he and his wife you know, have a nice life they live in this, this nice house in this little town they're out, out on the pool they've been having a few drinks she's having trouble sleeping has taken a Valium and uh, she sort of says oh I'm going to go in and lie down says goodnight to him he stays out by the pool she goes in And he then comes in half an hour later or, you know, an hour later to find her lying at the bottom of the stairs covered in blood. And it looks like she's fallen down the stairs. The police turn up and for various reasons decide that she hasn't fallen down the stairs, that he's beaten her to death. And it's basically where the case goes from there. And it's really interesting. Although, like I say, there is a bias to it because it is following the defendant all the way yeah. through it. So there is there is definitely a certain bias to it. But what's really interesting is, is that he had basically said very, very early on when this case started that he wanted everything filmed. So you're seeing a lot of stuff which you wouldn't normally see. It's not just made up from the court cases or interviews they've managed to get. These guys were with Michael Peterson almost from day one, right through all the legal problems that came after it. So you're getting to see conversations that he had with his lawyer. You're getting to see various things that happened. You're getting this sort of really interesting portrait of how a defense trial works as well as as the true crime thing. So it, 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 although there is a bias, it is quite fascinating to watch as well. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting true crime documentary. It's 12 sort of 45 minute episodes, that one.
2: Ooh. If
0: yes, you will. Yes. So, so it is quite long, but it's worth going to watch. What that has taken me away from from is uh, finishing Luke Cage season two because I've been Ooh. watching. Uh, I'm about halfway through Luke Cage season two at the moment. And halfway, I, yeah, thoroughly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Like I say, I would have seen the rest of it, but I got very into the staircase and was watching episodes of that back to back. So uh, I've been very much enjoying it. But some people have been saying that's been quite slow, and I don't get that at all. What? Well, I yeah I, I I just- what? I've, been, I've been reading stories online of, of going oh it's a bit slow I, why I yeah I don't get that I, at I all
2: that.
0: No, no I don't get that the slightest I'd be thoroughly interested.
2: I just finished episode I think nine or ten right okay I, I don't know what people don't. I think cracks along in a real bit do you yeah, see how that. many
0: bodies get dropped yeah Yeah, I
2: know I like the fact that they're
0: hinting at the sort of heroes for higher stuff in there oh, as yeah. well and uh, I haven't got to a point where Danny shows up although I'm aware that he does show up at some point I've seen, I've seen i've seen
2: like a photo so
0: right okay so we know that he shows up at some point but um yeah i mean it i i'm thoroughly enjoying it it's as good as as those series tend to be so uh yeah i, I you know i will give you a full opinion when i finished it which hopefully i'm a huge fan of um
2: luke cage i think it's incredibly well written again it's another example of shows really making the location a character yeah because it's all about what harlem is about mm-hmm. how it deals with the gentrification issues talks a little bit about brooklyn especially yeah. as you move further into it yes and yeah i just i really like what they've done it's just a very interesting thing to see again that's another one that i do recaps for can check both of my recaps by going to Starry Mag by Twitter or check out the website and yeah so I do this for Luke Cage and as I said before Cloak and Daniel I would say this is what this be my favourite season two I I couldn't get into Jessica Jones to be honest I think it was a step down from the first Yeah. Uh, don't get me started on my issues with Daredevil (laughs) Yes. it it, it wasn't Daredevil (laughs) it was partnership prologue
0: yes yeah I would agree with you there I mean certainly out of all the season twos this has been the most fun that I've had with them I I mean I like Jessica Jones season 2 but I I much prefer season 1 and part of that was due to Kilgrave because he was such a good villain for that, so yeah. but I'm I'm enjoying this. I do, I'm really. I do also going...
2: appreciate that, the amount of jokes they're leading to with yeah. Luke Cage. Whether it be like um, the grandma who's a witness who tells him about cockroach, asking for some coffee, just yeah. yeah. had me which had me rolling. I had lots of reference, lots references to coffee.
0: Yes, it's good. The the little jokes work really well. So so I'm enjoying that, and we'll we'll talk more about that when I've finished it, and then we had a couple of finales over the the last sort of week or so uh-huh. uh, Westworld finished finale for that season uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the second season of Westworld I know some people had a few mm-hmm. issues with it but I really enjoyed it I thought they've they've set it up for a really interesting place for season three I won't go too much into into thoughts on this because if you want to know more about Westworld you can go and check out the Westworld podcast we do with entertainment talk which is at entertainment uh, so you can go and check the uh, the finale that me and Matt did on that um, I that well. So there's that. And uh, Legion also finished this week as well. Yeah. And um, I really struggled with the season of Legion,
2: I've got to say. Same. I thought the finale was amazing. Yes. But I wish like we had a few more episodes like that. The simple episodes I could just you sit there, look at them and they make sense to me and they have a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah. And things happen as opposed to...
0: It, it was being weird for the sake of being weird and not pushing the plot forward. Whereas it did that very well in the first season they lost it a lot in the second season and although I thought I agree with you I thought the finale was really good and sort of redeemed some of it but there was a lot of pondering around just Messing Not about, sure, messing about, being being strange just for the sake of oh we're being strange and kooky, and that was starting to annoy me. So hopefully they managed to rein it in a bit for a third for the third season because it is coming back for a third season, I believe. Yeah. So uh, hopefully they managed to pull that back in a bit. But um, but yeah, the finale definitely um, kind of helped pull it back a little bit. So so yeah, that's all the stuff I'd be doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> Kick off the TV and film news this week with renewals, cancellations, and pickups, and there are a number of cancellations. I think they're all getting ready for sorting out their summer and fall seasons in the US, and and they've finally stuck the dagger into a few of the shows which were still milling around. Champions, which has just gone onto Netflix in the UK, will only survive for one season, and that was a sitcom about you know a dad that gets his unexpected son dumped on him. I haven't watched any of it. But uh, oh
2: yeah, I read I read the uh, like blah. blah. I went, nope. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was very much the same. Uh, Six has been cancelled after two seasons, which is, the, I think it was History Channel and Five Spike ran it over here. But, um, that's the one about the uh, SEAL Team Six guys. I think I watched one episode of it and really couldn't get into it. I'm not massively into those sort it's, of shows.
2: But... It's weird, there's been an explosion of other things over the last two years because yeah. there, was, there was the Brave, there was the um, that- SEAL, show on like NBC I think it was I had um, David Boreners CBS that one is that one's actually quite good that's running on Sky at the moment I tried I couldn't get past the first episode it was too much it felt like The Unit but even more family drama right yes but, yeah. which I thought I thought the unit did it very well I just didn't grab it it, did, grab me.
0: it is a fine line I mean there was Valor as well which only lasted one yeah, season yeah and
2: Valor and yeah but I remember when I saw the trailers when they did the trailers like yeah, you know yeah. it's like six months before it comes out and I went why is this on CW this makes no yeah, sense yeah. whatsoever it was not this a CW not show this, it's not a CW show no one's gonna watch it and
0: I mean Seal Seal Team I, I actually quite enjoy but it's it is a very fine line you walking in between Has it getting, been the getting dude? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's coming back.
2: That's good. That's so
0: the, uh that's a, that's the CBS show with David Baranis. And yeah. uh that's running on Scar One at the moment, it's a good balance between uh as you get into it, it, it they find a decent balance between the kind of mission stuff and the family drama stuff. They've sort yeah, of that, they've lessened it, the family drama stuff as it, okay, it's okay. gone on.
2: So that also reminded me of SWAT, which is you know has the um Yes, uh, the, um,
0: that's coming there very soon, next week, I think. A week after it comes to Sky One over here, that one. But uh, yeah, that they're both very similar types yeah, so of shows. There's,
2: there's a lot of those sort of shows.
0: Yeah, there there have been quite a few of those sort of uh, kind of gung ho army things recently. You tend to find that though with each season, you tend to get this cluster of shows that are kind of surrounding like one particular type of thing you know whether it be vampires or werewolves or you know supernatural stuff or or army stuff or it's it's weird they all seem to come in one batch but uh, so yeah those six has been cancelled ghosted oh, yeah. has been cancelled as well which uh, ran on itv over here which we kind of knew was coming because they'd already pulled it off the schedules in the us oh. <laughs> so uh i think they've they've just started putting the last few episodes of it out now but that that oh, was yeah. basically sort of x files with laughs
2: i watched i think i watched the pilots and i realized in the end it wasn't for me
0: yeah i watched a few episodes of it but i i honestly didn't go back to it it just didn't quite grab me enough which it's a shame because it was an interesting yeah. concept and i like the guys in it but uh yeah it just didn't quite work for me so that's now officially being cancelled so uh, i think there's still some episodes to come out in the uk of that but when itv or when or if itv2 will put them back on i don't know Famous in Love, which ran on Amazon UK over here, which was a uh a, a, some sort of teen yeah, drama. I'll
2: t- okay, I'll, I'll talk i about the So it ran over here on Amazon, but Famous Love over in the US is freeform. And right, this yeah. is pretty much the show was actually the direct replacement for Pretty Little Lies when it came to an end. Yes, yeah. And it Same author as it? Fe- it featured Bella Thorne, who yeah. you must know who that is. Um yeah. and it's based on the book. I'm a YA book about a in the book it's a high school girl who gets cast onto a major film but in the show she's in college right and she gets cast onto the film which is an adaption of a YA book
0: right <laughs> that's very meta <laughs>
2: oh yeah it's a very meta. which is all about a um, love triangle thing he's right. got like time travelling as well but but, but yeah I, I am surprised because it also it comes from I'm Marlene King which is obviously the, beyond, the force that yeah. is, uh, is behind Pretty Little Liars and also Pretty Little Liars Perfectious which will be coming out sometime yeah. I'm sure it will be grabbed over here as well and I think she's also developing the show that another one the Pretty Little Liars alumni, Shane Mitchell will be on Right. Yeah. so I'm very surprised I just, I pretty much thought she was Teflon so I did, that's an, an interesting
0: yeah so but that's the that freeform cancelled that and it sounds very freeform as well That show. Yes.
2: <laughs> just, about, just about to say this, that, that's pure freeform it's lots <laughs> of young very pretty people yeah. um, getting together and splitting up so that's that's pure freeform
0: yes really? yeah very much so so uh, yes yeah, so kind of surprising <laughs> that's been cancelled but uh, it's had two seasons so yeah, you know if they can't make it work after that that's a shame then a couple of pickups uh, Man in the High Castle We, there have been reports that that's been renewed for season 4 although I don't think Amazon have officially come out and said that but uh, there have been reports out that that's been that renewed
2: for season 4 very slowly those seasons
0: Uh, yeah I mean season 3 hasn't even aired yet I don't think uh, that's oh okay uh, season 3 due out next because uh, it doesn't air until sort of November usually huh? so, so yeah we're waiting for season 3 still and the, but there are rumours that it's been renewed for season 4 which is surprising because it's an expensive show to produce obviously because it's set in an alternate reality where Nazis won the war basically it's quite expensive to produce and it's not necessarily getting the numbers but they're saying that it's been renewed for a full season but whether that happens to be correct or not it's not 100% 100% official, that, so don't know. And in terms of pickups, BBC Two have picked up the family, uh, Getty Family Drama Trust, which was about um, the kidnap of, of one of the members of the Getty family. Um the was had a uh,
2: film come out about it a while ago.
0: Yeah, there was a film that came out a while ago, and uh, that stars Donald Sutherland and Hilary Swank. Originally, <laughs> w- we that had been picked up by Sky Atlantic. And for some reason, which I, I can't find an actual reason why, but I mean, because Sky actually released a press release and everything and announced that uh-huh. it was picked up. And then this story came out last week that BBC Two had picked it up. And it's not Weird. the case of they picked up second-run rights. Sky are now not running it, and BBC Two are. So... Okay. I, I don't know why that is. They, they apparently came to some sort of Intrigue. agreement. Yeah, came to some sort of agreement. It's in no. FX show, it's Fox that are yeah. distributing well. it internationally. So, why they, I think it's in the UK and Germany that Sky okay. aren't showing it, and BBC Two have picked it up every year now. So, I don't know what the reason for that is but but that is but at least it means more people will get to see it now so you know because it's on BBC and not everybody has Sky so so moving on to bigger news DC Universe which is the new DC streaming service they released it. give it to us yes yes give it to us <laughs> yes we want it now uh they they released a uh, a new trailer and uh, some more information stuff about the beta launch all this is in the US uh we we are assuming <laughs> we are assuming that this is going to come to the UK at some point because I mean I, I I think it's it's a really stupid idea not to launch it worldwide at the same time because these shows are going to get pirated to death.
2: But I was I was suspecting the financial deals would probably would probably be even more boring than Brexit to make it. Yeah. Employees- in order for them to do a global launch so i can understand I, that but.
0: yeah yeah i mean but i i i under, and i understand the the problems with doing global launch particularly oh, as yeah, you know, oh, yeah. um Is with with some of the shows not the new original properties because there are a number of new original shows but with some of the back catalog shows you mm-hmm. know because as well as a bunch of new shows you've got things like uh movies coming on there so i think they're putting uh, a lot of the animated films are going to be on there uh things like like, uh, Justice Lee Flashpoint Paradox and Green Lantern First Flight that I think in, in Judas
2: Contracts and all those sort of things the yeah. Suicide Squad films uh, yeah, the animated the, ones
0: yeah the actual Wonder Woman movie I think is going to be on there Ooh. a lot of the a lot of the That's old me. like the old 60s Batman stuff uh, they're oh, going to put that yeah. on there Batman, Batman, Batman the Animated Series is going to be on there and I understand with that sort of stuff internationally the rights are probably a nightmare for
2: those yeah. things Oh, the, yeah. Also putting con- the place, yeah. yeah
0: they're also putting Constantine on there by the looks of things as well oh well the animated one or I, the or that or the ill-fated NBC show the ill-fated NBC show definitely uh, okay because okay. it uh, looks like that's going to be on there I, I don't know whether the animated I guess the animated one will be on there as well
2: by BCW seed one again.
0: So there is all that. And I understand that, that sorting out the international rights for that sort of stuff will be difficult. But I think if you launched it at a lower price point without a lot of that stuff and just the original shows, people yeah. and still go for it. I mean, you've basically the DC Universe service, it's going to be a mixture of stuff to watch, comic books, so there's going to be digital comic books on there which you get as part of the subscription. There's also a sort of social networking thing so you can talk to other DC fans. Uh uh-huh. there's there's a load of like wiki stuff, so there's kind of databases of stuff about the DC characters, so there'll be a big uh-huh. official source of that. They're also running exclusive competitions and there's ex- exclusive shopping deals as well. So there'll be be like for people that like their collectibles, there'll be exclusive stuff that you can only get through DC Universe. Um That
2: sounds expensive.
0: Yes, so it will be very expensive for a DC fan. In terms of the TV shows, we've talked a lot about these before, but uh, obviously there's the Titan series which is coming which stars Brendan Thwaites uh, as Dick Grayson and uh, it's going to be following the formation of of the Teen Titans and uh, Dick putting the Teen Titans together. You know, that I'm very much looking forward to. To. There's an interesting story popped up today, or some rumors flying around that this is going to be R-rated as well. So, it's... titles. Yeah, it could I'm be surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, if that is true, I'm very surprised by it. But uh, that I think that's that's kind of interesting because it would seem that they're maybe trying to make because these are on a streaming service, they're trying to make these their sort of you know how Marvel has Daredevil and Luke Cage and that sort of stuff. They're trying to fill that hole on the DC side because obviously all the although this is coming from Greg Berlanti obviously all his other big DC shows are on CW so you're stuck with network rules whereas with this you're on a streaming service so you could push things out there a bit more Uh, whether that uh, turns out to be true or not I don't know but I thought that was kind of interesting if they are going to do that So there's the Titans series coming, there's also a Doom Patrol series coming which follows a group of the DC outcasts, uh, Robot Man, Negative Man, Elasty Woman and Crazy Jane, led by a uh, mysterious doctor who uh, is called into action by Cyborg. So it's going to have Cyborg in it as well, who wasn't mentioned in the Titans, although you would assume there is going to be some crossover from Titans into Doom Patrol because it looks like Titans is coming first and then Doom Patrol will come after it. So that looks kind of interesting. And that one's been written by Jeremy Carver. And Jeremy Carver is uh, the, one of the main guys on Supernatural. He was on Frequency and Being Human as well. Uh, that's also from Greg Berlanti, person behind that. So you can get some idea of, of what those shows are going to be. There's also a Swamp Thing series, which we've talked about before. That's coming, yeah. live-action Swamp Thing, which they've done live-action Swamp Thing TV series before, but not for a very long time. So hopefully these will be a lot better than the previous versions that we've had on TV. Yeah. Um, and there's interesting people behind that. It's um, being produced by James Wan's Atomic Monster with the people behind the Conjuring the Saw franchises, uh, Mark Verdehyne, who was behind Ash vs. Evil, Dead, Daredevil and Constantine, and Gary Dauberman, who was the guy behind It and Annabelle Creation. So uh, there's some very horror-related people and some comic book people behind that. So I think that's an interesting group.
2: Will that be rated R as well?
0: I don't know, but I mean, this certainly seems to be leaning that way, given the people behind it. So that might be. You've got uh, a animated series, which is Young Justice, The Outsiders, I think. I hope that's good. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be a sort of direct continuation of the old Young Justice cartoon. So uh, that should be interesting. And there's a Harley Quinn cartoon as well, which is coming. Which is going
2: to be? I mean, I, I oh yeah, who knows? that Yeah, but I saw a little bit about that. That yeah, it seems like it's been sort of been an adult swim. Yeah, uh, very,
0: very much, start. very much in that sort of vein. In the US, it's launching with a bunch of other movies and TV shows of, from the DC back catalogue. But we don't know what if you know if it launches abroad, we don't know what that's going to come with.
2: I think it's going to be a Netflix. It's going to be
0: well. I mean, it, a
2: stripped down version. It will have everyone reaching for their virtual private
0: networks. (laughs) Yes, it could very well do. They're also launching it with a bunch of comics. And these are are a lot of classic stuff from the back catalogue. So it's things like Dark Knight Returns. There's uh, also stuff from um, Flashpoint and uh, DC Rebirth and uh, classic like first edition comic books, if you want to read through those. There's a whole bunch of various different... They're, They're describing it as a curated collection. Of DC Comics, yeah. Yeah. so uh, there'll be that coming, and then, like I say, the other stuff is you know exclusive competitions as a social network thing. It will be available on an app on iOS, Android, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Android TV, and uh, also available as a website and uh, on mobile web as well. So mm-hmm. uh, it is only launching in the US. It's launching uh, for beta access in august so if you are in the u.s and listening to this you can go to dcuniverse.com and sign up for beta access hopefully when it launches in the autumn in the u.s we will have a bit more of an idea about what they're going to do to launch it internationally because i think it will come i just think they're going to try and sort this out first but we'll see over on HBO we've had a bit more news about the uh, Watchmen TV series that Damien Lintoff is doing over there. Uh, some bunch more casting news because uh, they're basically they're creating a pilot show for a Watchmen TV series so it's not a full series yet it's just the pilot but there's some interesting casting coming in. Uh, Tom Misson who is the star of Sleepy Hollow or was the star of Sleepy Hollow he's, has taken a role in it so is Jeremy Irons so uh, some very big names joining there particularly you know with Jeremy Irons. The series is based on the seminal graphic novel by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, set in alternative reality where superheroes exist, but they're treated like outlaws. TV series is not a direct adaptation of the comic books. It's a remixed version, as Lintoff describes it. Uh, It talks about the original 12 issues being like their Old Testament. You know, when the New Testament came along, it didn't erase what became before it. Creation, the Garden of Eden, Abraham and Isaac. The flood, it all happened, and so it'll be with Watchmen. So the comedian died. Dan and Laurie fell in love. Ozymandias saved the world. Dr. Manhattan left after blowing Rorschach to pieces. So all that stuff will have happened. He also doesn't say that this is a sequel. He describes it as being a new original story that will re- vibrate with the seismic unpredictability of its own tectonic plates.
2: I <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> yes. Even even forgetting about the stone, how can it not be a sequel if it's set after the events of something? That's, well, the, what, that's what a sequel is.
0: Yes. Effectively, it's. Sounds like he is making a sequel, he just doesn't want to call it a sequel. Yep. So, this is to say, only a pilot at the moment. I mean, Tom Missen, obviously, we know from Sleepy Hollow, Jeremy Irons, yep. probably best known to most people as that are listening to this as being Alfred in the uh, Batman Superman movies. we yep. uh, yep. also popped up in the Borges, it's only the second time he's signed for an ongoing TV series actually since. The Borgias. Ooh. If you're old enough like me to remember his, his early TV work, he was in Brighthead Revisited in the 80s as well. Uh, oh, later. A couple of new, uh, a couple of other castings they announced. Uh, Francis Fisher has also been announced as joining it who was in Masters of Sex, Touch, Torchwood. Uh, probably best known for playing Kate Winslet's mother in Titanic. Jacob Ming-Trent, who's an actor I really don't know, but he was in a show called White Famous Feed the Beast and Superfly. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. He's a 2015 graduate of Yale School of Drama. I, again, an actor i optically not particularly now, although I think we're going to be hearing a lot of because he's about to play Black Manta in James Wan's upcoming Aquaman movie. And Black Manta, as far as I'm aware, is certainly one of the main villains, if not the main villain. Yeah. He's also guest-starred in Handmaiden's Tale, so you might have known from that. Uh, Sarah Vicker has taken a role. She's from Endeavour, the ITV show. She's been on The Islandist, Shetland, Lovesick in the Crown. Ooh, Alienist,
2: something though.
0: Regina King, who is in The Leftovers, Dong Johnson, who of course was from Miami Vice, Tim Blake Nelson who was in My Brother Where Art Thou, Lou Gossick Jr. from Happen Leonard and Officer a Gentleman, Adelao Clement, she was in Rectify, and Andrew Howard who was in Hell on Wheels, but they'd all, all already been announced. So this is a very interesting kind of bunch of people they put together. Frustratingly, we have no idea who any of these people are playing. Yeah, <laughs> so,
2: so, yeah, they're not really giving out yes. any details.
0: So um. I mean, I think it's. And the it's, thing
2: is, this is so weird. This is just a pilot. And this is so much hybrid. It's a little bit terrifying.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, that is an issue for them because they're making such a big deal out of it, and I don't know whether it could ever live up potentially to the hype of it. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the pilot's like.
2: And like, it's, it's HBO. Did HBO even do pilots. I don't um, think I don't um, think you should do pilots this publicly. No, I mean, no obviously they obviously they make pilots, but pilots tend to be more for networks. So yeah,
0: I think there's just such
2: interest it, in it because it, it's it watched. It would seem like you just say, "Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing ten episodes. Get ready."
0: So I don't know. Um, but,
2: but pilots but, can be nervous.
0: Yeah, we'll see how it turns out. But, uh, well, it it was like they hyped up Wayward Sisters quite a lot on uh, CW. Oh,
2: no, it still hurts.
0: (laughs) And and, and, and that that never got picked up.
2: Yeah, I don't. Understand. And then they okayed the original spin off.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Oh, oh, my head hurts.
0: I was very, very surprised they didn't pick that up because it looked like because they've tried Supernatural pilots before. And I think this is the, the the second time they've tried it. And, and yeah, yeah f- the, fir- f- the, first one, the
2: first one was what that was a dumb idea.
0: It's one of those things that I I was really surprised when they didn't pick that up. So yeah, you can never really tell. With uh, with networks, yeah. what they're going to go for. And uh, last little story we've got is Showtime has picked up a live action Halo TV series, which I thought was uh, kind of interesting. So um, this is uh, based on the Halo video game. It comes from had- uh, yes, <laughs> I'm sure you have. Uh, <laughs> comes from the writer Kyle Killen, who wrote Awake and Mind Games. Director Rupert Wyatt, who was the director of Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and uh, Amblin Television, Steven Spielberg television studio Killen's going to write the show and uh, he'll be the showrunner uh, Wyatt directing another number of episodes the idea yeah. of a Halo TV series has been kicking around for a very long time and they've they've done like little mini series and uh, I, I've watched
2: I definitely watched one
0: yeah I think they've done a couple of them because I've interviewed yeah, somebody who did the costume are, design for
2: or, them. yeah I did I saw one of the digital ones which is like maybe three or four episodes it was very really well made Yeah, I'm not the an Xbox person I don't play first person but no, I, don't I, I just don't work with them so
0: I, I don't play them very much either I have to say but I have a lot of affection because I did play through the original Halo and I think yeah. I played through one or two of the others as well so I, I can see how this would turn into a TV show I can see how it would work it's been kicking around as an idea of since about 2013 they originally were going to show it as, as an exclusive on the Xbox as a TV series and mm-hmm then they shut down Xbox Entertainment Studios, who were the key p- people that were making that oh, version. Okay, okay. So uh, now Showtime picked it up, which is, you know, so it's on a proper... TV network now, not some sort of digital channel. That's kind of interesting particularly for Showtime to take it and uh, given Showtime have got an overall deal with Sky over here to air things that come onto Showtime uh, I'm guessing that it will end up on Sky Atlantic uh. don't know when though it's either probably going to be the earliest the very earliest you're going to get is uh, 2019 but it could even be 2020 given that there's going to be quite a lot of CGI work I would have thought thrown in there as well but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is an interesting idea. Big sci-fi shows, proper full-on sci-fi, not sci-fi through the lens of something else. We don't really have that many of those kind of straight out-and-out sci-fi things. And I mean, although it is based on a video game, it's a very beloved video game. So I think this could be uh, have legs, hopefully. 10 episodes, live action. There's a new game, uh, Halo Infinite, coming out to help support it as well, which is cool. So um Yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic for that, shall I say. So that's the end of the news for this week. Let's move on to the interview.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
0: The interview this week is with the makeup designer, Tara Day. Tara is an award-winning makeup designer. She's worked on various notable films and television projects, including Emmy-nominated work for Breaking Bad, she worked on Let Me In, she's worked on Preacher, Hell or High Water, and uh, most recently released the Rampage movie. She's worked on the upcoming Green Book film, which we've interviewed about four or five people for that (laughs) already. She's most recently, she's been working on the TV show Godless, and we we talk about the creation of uh, strong female characters and the design process when sort of dusting people up to work in the, you know, when they're kind of being in the desert all day and creating mm-hmm. blood mm-hmm. and bruises and all that sort of stuff. We obviously talk a bit about Breaking Bad and about Preacher as well. So uh, it was a really fun interview. She was lovely to talk to. Here's the interview with Tara Day. We will uh, see you afterwards with some highlights for next week. Bye,
2: bye, bye
3: hi tara oh hello how are you
0: i'm good how are you i'm doing good thank you for giving a bit of your time to uh, come and chat to me
3: oh of course thank you i really appreciate it
0: we've got a lot of things we could we could talk about a lot of tv shows where whereabouts are you are you out in la at the moment
3: i'm actually um in new mexico right now working on another netflix project ah
0: okay But I'm guessing you can't tell me what that is.
3: (laughs) I can't, I can tell you the name of it. I just can't say anything about it, but it's called Messiah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. It's another kind of epic situation. (laughs) Yes.
0: Well, with a name like that, I would expect it to be.
3: Yeah, it is. It is for
0: sure. You've gone from godless to messiah. That that's that's kind of
3: <laughs> Well, it's kinda of funny because I actually did a season of preacher. So I went from yes. preacher to yeah. godless to Messiah. I mean, I don't know if the universe is trying to tell me something or yeah, what sort of
0: lost faith somewhere in the middle and then
3: came a back. Terror. again. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Probably the best place to start would be how you got into to the industry.
3: I had been doing the stand-up comedy and I'd been acting and I actually went to California. I was born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Right. And I left when I was in my uh, like 26. I was accepted to the Academy of Dramatic Arts and I went to California to do that and somewhere in there I just kind of lost the um, drive to do that because I just felt like there were a million blonde haired blue eyed girls that <laughs> wanted to do the same thing and I just kind of felt like, you know, what am I doing? And um, a friend of mine had actually suggested I get into makeup. And I was like, you know, I was actually living in Southern California and living with my mom because she had moved to California as well. And uh, by very flukish kind of weird thing at I met a man uh, who was a good friend of a man named Harry Blake. And Harry Blake had been a makeup artist for 40 years. He was Johnny Carson's makeup artist. He had Uh, worked at NBC for years. And he says, well, why don't you come talk to Harry? And so I went to talk to Harry. And Harry then said, well, I have a really good friend named Maurice Stein, who owns a business in, it's a beauty supply that caters to the industry in L.A., called Cinema Secrets, and I went to meet Maurice, and Maurice said, well, why don't you come work at the at the shop, and you can go through, uh, you can meet some mentors, and you can go through UCLA Extension, and you can get some lessons, and you can kind of at least be working as well, and so I kind of, I, I dropped everything, I went to LA, and um, was making very little money, and had very little, but what Maurice Stein gave me was invaluable, because it actually gave me a foundation and he was such a good, uh, he and his family both really were encouraging and uh, just helped me get started. And I was working at the shop and then I would do little gigs here and there and slowly but surely I started my resume and started working and I just kept going and the doors kept opening and it was kind of like the intention went out there and all of a sudden the doors opened and you just got to make sure you walk through the doors. Yeah,
0: exactly very much yeah. so so the shows you've been working on most recently I mean the you worked on uh, on film and TV and uh, but yeah. the, the TV yeah. show that you've been working on recently is godless which we've spoken a bit about before because we interviewed Betty Hyman uh, a few weeks ago so oh, yeah
3: of course
0: uh, so we spoke a bit about the costume and uh, I guess you know the makeup side of things works very closely with the costume side of things I would guess absolutely
3: hundred percent hundred percent. You don't have one without the other.
0: No, absolutely. What, what was your main role on that show, and uh, what were you sort of doing day to day?
3: So basically, when we were, um, when I say we, I'm talking about my uh, department head, hairdresser as well, which is Jordy Sheffer, mm. and she and I had met with the line producer, and then we've done many westerns, and it's kind of the thing that we love, and so. When we met with Scott, Frank, we really got a feel of what he had been wanting. You know, what, this project was his baby. Yeah. And he had a relationship with Betsy, which was great. So when you put Betsy and Jordy and I together, it was kind of like, okay, as a collaboration and a team effort, what we needed to do. And one of the things that Betsy did is, you know, she kind of created the palette. Right. And in that vein, you know, our different towns like Labelle and Creed and Blackdom, we actually mixed dirt for each town. So, like, <laughs> if the riders were going through the towns and they would go from Blackdom to Creed to Labelle, they would have each colored dirt mixed into their skin because <laughs> they had been riding through. So those were kind of little details that we really wanted to include and really wanted to enhance what Betsy was doing. And one thing that she did that we really paid attention to was that she created every character was an individual and they, their wardrobe was very individual to who they were. So that's what Jordi and I wanted to create as well. So each woman in LaBelle, they were very specific to match, to kind of all come together with makeup, hair and wardrobe. So we kind of used like Betsy was our palette. She gave us the palette that we needed and then we just went in and enhanced what she had given us. And so it really was great that we all had a very good working relationship and friendship because we could really trust each other and go, hey, you know, that's that can we tweak this a little bit or can we make this a little different? And nobody had an ego about it. It was just like, what is gonna be best?
0: I I mean I guess with something like that, you're striving for authenticity. And I guess authenticity in the in the makeup department is more based around, you know, making people look kind of dirty and through they've been things rather than making them look pretty in that sort of... Correct,
3: exactly. Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. Exactly. There's also going to be a lot of um, bruised and sort of bloody looks with a show like that as well. So how do you go about creating uh, those sort of, you know, the the violent scenes and that sort of thing?
3: Well, one of our biggest uh, issues we had to overcome was that we were shooting it like a movie. So we weren't shooting it in an episodic way. So you had to really be aware of your continuity because we would shoot three different episodes in one day. And so it was also really paying attention to the continuity of an injury or how they got an injury or following through with that kind of thing. So you design them. You know, you are collaborating with Scott. You're collaborating with your stunt coordinator, which we had an amazing stunt coordinator named Jeff Dashnow, and he brought to the table just He also collaborated with us. There was such an openness with him, with us. So one of the amazing things that Mike Malone and Scott Frank did when we started in Casey Silver was that we had methodology meetings once a week, every week up until production started until principal photography. So we could all sit down at a table and read through the script and go, okay, this is what's going to happen here. So you never were caught off guard. So you could always know what the design was going to be and why it was going to be that way. And I have to say that when you're allowed to prep like that, you really can wrap your head around the entire script and you are not...
0: You, there, there's no surprises right yeah it was interesting there was a a, a comment that uh the actor stephen Ogg from westworld and, and uh, uh walking dead said recently which was if you ever want to know anything about a tv show go and ask the makeup department they know everything
3: well we kind of do but <laughs> it's like that whole thing about you know the thing is is that you get an actor You know, in the very beginning of the morning and when you're spending six months with someone, you get to know them because they're in your chair every morning. And we all go through so much in that six months and you are they become you you become family because you're together more than you are with your family and you create bonds and friendships and you know i feel very very fortunate to have kept close ties on a lot of the people that we worked with yeah it's and you know they you, you kind of are a little bit of a therapist <laughs> you kind of you know are there when someone's tired or cranky or whatever and it's you know it's kind of our job to make sure that they walk out of the trailer feeling secure and good and comfortable and you know, that's a big part of our job.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other unique makeups for Godless, are you doing Native American makeup as well?
3: We were a big, you know, there was not that much in Godless. I mean, you know, I've worked on other Westerns where it was much more extensive. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was really like, One of the great things was really fun is that, I mean, if I can go back, one thing that was crazy is that, so we had four makeup and hair trailers working. Right. Um, We had an entire background little camp set up. We had 20 makeup and hair people working with us every day. Actually, it was more like 30. (laughs) Um, And we would have 50 main casts come through with, you know, doubles and stunt doubles through the main trailer. time. So you got the volume of it was just massive. Yeah. And so but the great thing about creating was like in the um Mm -hmm. in the beginning we had all the Griffin gang. They came and the women, all the women of LaBelle and the Griffin gang. It was Scott Frank's request that they all come in like six weeks prior to us shooting and they all learned to ride and they, our wranglers were amazing (laughs) and they learned how to shoot. So they got together with props and everybody learned how to use a gun and so that everyone looked like they were comfortable with it. So that you could really feel that they were a part of that period. And again, it is, it is really being organic and authentic with the makeup. But we did some things like with the Griffin gang, we would um, bring the guys in. We would do dental cast in the special effects makeup trailer. We did um, to create vacuum forms that they would put on their teeth. They were hand painted and they would wear them every day so that they looked like they had tobacco stains or right. rotten teeth. We had um, some great pieces made for the Devlin brothers when he gets his teeth knocked out. So he had that. <laughs> going on every day you know just the hand-painted scars and a lot of you know 3D transfers used and that kind of stuff so and a lot of facial hair you know laying facial hair that kind of thing and then Kim Coates in the middle of our production had to go away and he was only going to come back for two days and so we had to have his facial hair made so (sighs) that Because he had to have a clean shaven face in his other projects. So he came back to us clean shaven and we had to put on his facial hair. And then Jack, at the end of the show, we have like three transitions of Jack going to California. So he had his initial facial hair and then we would add on, add on, add on. And then at the very end, we shaved him clean and put on a beard. (laughs) So... You know, I mean, it was just the the continuity was the toughest part because when you're shooting like that to show the passage of time, you're like, well, how am I going to take Jeff Daniels when I can't shave him and I can't do anything to him because he's got to be this character. So we're like, all right, well, then we take him back and we put color in his beard and we darkened it all up and we evened out his skin tone and gave him less wrinkles and made him look younger. (laughs) And then when he got to the other stuff, we're like, okay, take all the. You know, and sometimes we would shoot his younger version and his older version in the same day. So you'd be like putting hair dye on and taking it off and putting texture and wrinkles and all that kind of stuff. in. so, you know, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. uh, I mean, it's crazy because I look at the I was looking at the cast list. We had 400 people.
0: (laughs) That's insane.
3: I know. And this one, the one I'm on right now, we have 300 people. (laughs) (laughs) so apparently I like to do a lot of people of course thank god I have such an amazing team because I definitely do not do it by myself
0: (laughs) yes yeah yes you needed lots of hands on deck to do things like that yes and I had
3: (laughs) I had great great people
0: so I mean you mentioned you've you worked on a few other shows as well you worked on uh Preacher which I loved it was it the first season of that you did
3: I did the first
0: season yes yeah yep Uh, so were you responsible partly for uh for uh, Cassidy's entrance into the uh into the show which involved an awful lot of blood I seem to remember yes yeah we had
3: gallons we had gallons <laughs> gallons I mean props had gallons we had gallons yes and we had a great um we you know I was the makeup department head and we had a great uh effects department which was K&B which was headed up by howard burger and he was amazing and you know it just you know we would have like they'd roll in a card and we'd have buckets of blood and we'd have intestines and you know like <laughs> it was bloody and fun i had we had a really good time we had a really good time on that first season for sure
0: yeah i mean it's such a good show and it's uh it looked like it must have been epic amounts of fun to make <laughs>
3: it was fun and i adore that cast and joe is you know he is they're all fantastic
0: yeah 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 i don't want to keep you all here all day but just skipping through some of the other projects you worked on the greatest showman as well yeah
3: i just did some i just did some reshoots of that in los angeles right so i was only on that for a couple of weeks but it was fun because we actually had to recreate all the characters we reshot and like the tattoo guy the tattoo guy didn't have a beard anymore. <laughs> he had sh- he had shaved. And so I have a little video of me like putting on a beard and a mustache and matching what he looked like with all his tattoos. So that wow. was a challenge, but that was really fun. But Nikki Liederman was the department head on that in New York and she did a great job.
0: Yeah. Breaking Bad, you did some work on as well?
3: Yes, I loved that. I just, you know, Breaking Bad was an amazing experience and we were nominated in the uh, for Emmys in the prosthetic and the non-prosthetic categories and we actually won for Best Makeup that year for yeah. Breaking Bad with the Makeup and Hair Guild Awards. So that was That was great. And it was, that was an amazing, amazing experience. That whole group of people Vince and the cast and the production team, fantastic.
0: It is probably one of the best shows, TV shows ever made. I think that it, it's still one of, it's a very high bar to get past once you've I up. know,
3: I know. <laughs> and I'm just so grateful that I was uh, given that opportunity. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then you were with the makeup department head for Rampage, the uh, uh, Dwayne yeah. Johnson film uh which looks I haven't actually seen it yet, but it, it looks like immense amounts of fun.
3: It is. It is so much fun. And I just, you know, I I've, I've been fortunate to work with that team, with Dwayne's team and Boflen, uh, a couple of times and they're a great group and Naomi Harris and Malin Ackerman and I mean, you know, just really and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I mean, just exceptionally good people, like really fun. And just, you know, Brad Payton, our director, he I've, you know, done a couple of things with him. He's fantastic, too. And it's just when you when you are working these hours and you are working as hard as you are and you're away from your family and especially at my lovely age. (laughs) <laughs> that i am at this point i really want to do projects that i feel valued and yeah. respected and i respect the people i'm working for and working with is really important you know i just i i feel very lucky and grateful that i have i get those opportunities yeah yeah
0: i mean there's there's one film which uh, i've inadvertently interviewed uh, i think you're the fifth person no fourth person I've interviewed from this movie which is Green Book Um, Ah. because I've interviewed the composer Chris Bowers uh, yes Betsy is working on it as well and Lawrence Davis and and Lawrence Davis as well who's uh, Ah, Marshall's hair guy so Um, yes, I've, I've sort of inadvertently interviewed a bunch of people for this movie, which isn't out until next year.
3: <laughs> I know. Well, no, it's going to come out. We think it's coming out in November. Oh, is
0: it? Is it? It's, it's, yeah, we think so. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, um, which uh, look like a, a very interesting um, premise for a film. It's uh, Viggo Mortensen and uh, Linda Cartolini, the other. Yes, exactly. that looks like it could be quite an interesting movie as well
3: green book was speaking of exceptional and feeling valued and feeling respected and having you know uh geordie shepherd my hair department head that did godless with me and is doing this netflix thing that we are on now uh we did that together with betsy and vigo we've worked with vigo and have a great relationship with vigo and for what is happening in the world today it couldn't be a better story because it is about a white New Yorker kind of guy in the sixties who is hired to drive a African-American musician around the South in the 1960s Yeah, and their relationship and how they come together and learn to respect each other and have a friendship. And also just the fact that Peter Fairley directed it, and it's his first real dramatic script that he did what was amazing and i can correlate this to godless as well is when you have actors who are very supportive and respectful of each other and don't bring an ego necessarily of course they we all have our ego but when they can put their their egos aside a little bit to do what is best for the forum Vigo and Mura Herschela were absolutely just incredibly collaborative, supportive, and respectful of each other. And no one tried, you know, there was no pandering or posturing going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I would say that in Godless is too, with all those women, you know, I had an interview asked me, well, how did it go with all the women? And I said, you know, it was amazing because they became friends on and off set. They would go to dinners. They all they all keep in touch. Now they all lifted each other up, supported each other and was like, you know, given an a boy when, you know, they needed a pat on the back or anything. So I feel like, you know, in that respect, they were very similar. But Green Book is an exceptional script and it's an exceptional story. So I can't wait till it comes out.
0: Yeah, I'm very much having having interviewed half the people working behind the cameras on yeah. it. Now I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, and it was a good group, and we had a great trailer. We had Lawrence and Sarit Klein and Jordi and yeah, it was it was a really good group of people.
0: Yeah, yeah, I will keep an eye out for for when that lands. Good, yay! So, a couple of final questions for you. The first one will be: What TV shows are you watching at the moment?
3: Ooh. Well, to be honest, (laughs) a (laughs) nun. Um, I am trying to, let me think, Oh, you know what I did watch that I loved and I binge watched was bloodline. Oh yes. Yeah. I love Kyle. And of course I liked, you know, I love Linda in that, yeah. but everybody and Bo Bridges is actually going to be in our, what we're doing right now. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm looking forward to, cause I have a relationship with his brother. I've worked with Jeff, yeah, yeah. um, several times. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, You know, it's really crazy. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, I am not watching and people keep talking about so many things. And I really, I have not been watching much because to be honest, I work, you know, I've been working so much that it's like, I just have had, I love Frankie and Grace or Grace and Frankie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that. I've seen that, but that is really crazy. I haven't been. Seen, I I I could lie and say no, I've seen no. something, but no, I no.
0: I really no. haven't. You uh you get brownie points for picking two Netflix series. There's <laughs> been the only yeah. two shows you yeah. Read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, crazy. Crazy, um, crazy.
0: So, if you had the last question, if you had the opportunity to work on any show past, present or future, what show would it be?
3: Oh god, I have to say Blade Runner. Oh, but that's not let me tell let me say TV. TV, TV show. I would say Twin Peaks.
0: Yes, that's a popular one. So, <laughs> for people, yeah,
3: Twin Peaks or Stranger Things. I would say those two.
0: Oh yes. Well, you never know. If, should should an unfortunate accident before the uh, department? No. Up. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it is awesome. a Netflix show.
3: <laughs> it is. I know. I know. I know. So,
0: but yes, but there's I, so
3: much good stuff out there. I mean, it's crazy the contents right now. I, I is know. So massive. It's almost like you can't even. Like, my boyfriend, he has watched Black Mirror. He's watched The Looming Tower. He's watched, I mean, he'll be like, oh, yeah, I watched that. I'm like, when did you have time for all this? I have (laughs) no idea. But he, like, knows all of them. I barely, and I mean, Hulu has really picked up, and Amazon, and, you know, it's crazy how much stuff is out there.
0: I watch TV for a living, basically, and I can't keep up with everything. So (laughs) I'll let you go and uh, get back to your uh, tweltering hot day looking after the Messiah. (laughs)
3: Thank you very, very much. Well, listen, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time.
0: Thank you for for coming on. It's been lovely chatting.
3: Okay, hon, take care. All right, bye. Okay, bye.
0: So that was the interview with Tara Day. Hope you really enjoyed that. Preacher has just restarted on um, Amazon Prime over here if you want to go and catch that. And uh, Godless, you, of course, can catch on Netflix. So uh, go and check that out. It's a really interesting series. Now we move on to some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week on TV. Uh, There's only three we have, although there there is a few fairly significant ones in here. Uh, This Is Us, Mm. season two of This Is Us, comes to more four on the 4th of July at 9pm. Finally, it's taken forever for the season to uh, land over here. I really, really enjoyed the first season of this. Although it is like your kind of family drama thing, it's so well done. And the sort of jumping back through the different timelines I think makes it slightly more interesting it's funny it's different I I really enjoy it so uh, I'm quite glad that's back I'm glad we can finally see it I just wish they hadn't waited so long for it then we've got SWAT season one of that coming to Sky One that's on the 8th of July inspired by the Samuel L. Jackson Colin Farrell movie it uh, follows a sergeant in the Los Angeles SWAT unit who is torn between loyalty and his team on the streets so that's coming to uh, Sky One on the 8th of July. And Sharp Objects, which is a a mini-series which has been talked about quite a lot, stars Amy Adams as uh, a reporter who returns to a small hotel to cover the murder of 2 preteen girls. You can tell this is a major thing for, um, uh, it's an HBO mini-series, you can tell it's a major thing for them, because they're simulcasting it on uh, Sky Atlantic at 2am. On the On the 9th of July, uh, it's then going to be shown again at 9pm for those that uh, forget to record it. Oh, that's
2: cool. I've read that book. Um, Oh, cool. It's quite quite creepy. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah. I would have thought it would be. Yeah, so... um, It's a a good book, but yeah, it's very dark. It is (laughs) extremely dark.
0: Yes, so um, Sharp Objects, that's on Sky Atlantic on the 9th of July, uh, 2am and 9pm for that. And that's... It's unless you've got anything else you want to put in.
2: Do you want it, Dr. B? You can through Twitter at Shaft Word, which is S H A F T S W O R D.
0: Awesome. Yes. Yeah, so that's where you can find Daryl. For us, if you uh, want to find more information throughout the week, you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geekdown on YouTube youtube.com forward slash Geek and on Instagram at Geek Town UK. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.